You are listening to the Bug Bucks Podcast, hosted by Solomon Earhart and Alan Draper, where they will discuss scaling and growing your pest control company with the goal of helping you become a bug money millionaire. Everyone, welcome to another episode of the Bug Bucks Podcast. I'm Alan Draper. I'm the owner of Proof Pest Control. I got my man Saul here with me. What's up, Saul? What's up, Alan? Saul freaking just, just, you know, just building a dynasty out there in North Carolina, South Carolina. Where else are you? You're in Florida now. Florida. And we got a couple new markets that will be coming up here in 2022 as well. So nice. really just I love the Southeast, man. It's It's been yeah. really great. And obviously there's a lot of bugs out there. I feel like oh, the Southeast, yeah. is, I feel like everything, everyone's coming <laughs> to the Southeast recently though. It's like North and South Carolina are just like, I mean, just hot for, for these companies, which I, I always welcome good, friendly competition. But, you know, sometimes it's yeah. like, man, it's getting saturated out there, kind of like the Texas markets and stuff. Yeah. So. It's funny how people like their their different markets, right? That's proof may be in that market someday, but it's going to be a while. We We tend to favor colder climates weirdly enough. And I think regardless of your market, there's pros and cons. You yep. guys have fire ants and roaches like crazy, and grubs and all this stuff, but you also have several thousand pest control companies out there, right? Yeah. I mean, the you know, the thing I love, I mean, a lot of termite stuff, which is, is huge. Yeah. We have a lot of that, the moisture stuff, right? The re- remediation in the crawl spaces and attics. However, though, there's just, there's some intricate things you got to deal with too, like Formosan termites are, are insane. And and they're causing massive issues in, in these coastal markets, right? So like Charleston, for example, was like, I think it was like a mayor or the senator's house or something in like downtown Charleston, like this old historic house got Formosan termites in it because they don't need to actually be, they don't actually need to be like connected to the soil to get moisture. They can just kind of reside right inside the wall. Jeez. And and the the company lost the claim in court and it was like i think something like a million dollars they had to pay to to repair this house jeez and then you got like the dry wood termites down in like florida and those markets that are the ones that usually have the the house houses being tented off and stuff and and fumigated it's like man, it's just crazy get, man gets yeah i mean pest control is a crazy industry there's it there's is. so many things and you and you know like when we go to pest world and we go to these events. I mean, you talk to these companies that some of these companies' sole business is fumigation. Yeah. Right? It's like, I don't even know anything about fumigation. These companies are $20, $30 million companies solely doing fumigation. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. It's a it's an awesome industry. And and this, the, this next episode, we're going to recap. I mean, Chase, I mean, that's very similar to me too. I mean, starting out in the commercial stuff, like I know very little about commercial pest control, right? And so, and, and and he's built a great company focusing solely on the commercial initially. Yeah. Um, but there's just, there's so much in this industry that you can learn. And and, and I, th- I feel like we take for granted a lot of times this stuff. Yeah. You know, what's funny is we had Chase on because he's acquired a few companies over the last couple of years. And he's in, in that game, kind of trying to get a little heavier into residential pest control and the entire episode we just talked about commercial right we didn't even yeah. start talking about the M&A aspect of his business and so if you guys are wanting to add 
a commercial department or a commercial line of business to your pest control company, make sure to check that out. That's Chase Goodall, episode eight. And we focus a lot on commercial. And you know, one thing that I like that he said is he talked about they focus on residential during certain times of the year, right? And then they focus on commercial. He's in Chicago. So when it's cold, when you know, there's not a lot of ants out, right? They're focusing more on more on commercial, which I have mixed opinions about how a company should pivot. I think I'm a big fan of Jim Collins. He wrote Good to Great. It's one of my top, probably, probably a top five business book for me, which is is really saying something. But he talks about in his book, Good to Great, how we should develop a, a hedgehog concept which is this integration of something that we can be the best in the world at that drives our economic engine and that we're really passionate about. And so that conversation with Chase, it feels like, I don't think his point was, hey, I'm separating myself from this commercial business that I've developed and I've become really good at, and I'm just going to focus on residential. I don't think that's what he was saying. No. And, and, what I loved is how he was actually getting a lot of these residential customers initially, right? So they would go sell these big commercial buildings, right? Whether it be a, a school or a, a warehouse or a, a commercial building, right? Uh, you know, say flex space. And then they would go in there and they would create relationships with the people that worked inside that organization. They would set up like employee employees discount pricing packaging, like as an employee benefit for the organization. And then the employees would sign up for pest control, you know, through that employee benefit package, right? Which I'm like, I, it reminds me of like my LA fitness days where we would go try to sell these commercial employee package benefits for gym memberships, right? Yeah. It's cool that he would position and what he was doing is he was positioning these companies as adding another benefit, right? So they so they win from that, and Chase and his company wins from getting more business from it. Yeah, and I mean, you know, the thing is too, it's like if you're taking care of the the business and then you're taking care of the house. I mean, I feel like the retention would have to be pretty high on that. It's like if they're seeing you both ways, like they see you yeah. at the home and then they see you at the office. They're like, okay, man, you know, I, I you know, we get these people and we and we like these guys. Which I really loved that piece of it. I, I never would have thought about that, I don't think. And I feel like a lot of places, I've never heard any other commercial pest control company doing something like that. Yeah, very cool, very unique marketing. We also talked a little bit about how it's important to get your systems in line. And we just talked about that in part one of this two two episode recap. We talked about how it's important this time of year. So we're recording this. It's what is it? It's November 23rd. So it's a couple days before Thanksgiving. And now's a great time across the nation, wherever you're located, to start thinking about kind of these longer term decisions and putting these processes in place. So are you, do you have any processes that you're really focused on this off season? Yeah. I mean, we have, we have a ton, to be honest. So Obviously, we're recently kind of starting out on this EOS process, which we'll actually be touching on here in just a second as we recap episode nine. But so there's a lot of stuff that goes on in there as far as processes with our meeting pulse, right? Like how our weekly meetings, our quarterly meetings, our annual meetings, 
and then certain core processes, you know, as far as HR, hiring, you know, termination, disciplinary actions, you know, accounting, things like that. But some big stuff for us too is, is we're really dialing in our processes with our call center as we're really building out the call center and we're developing a, an inside sales team, you know, specific inside sales, specific customer support, retention specialists, right? So we're, we're trying to really move a lot of our retention inside the call center instead of on the branch level so we can make sure we're addressing those customers' concerns and getting them handled immediately and not having to like set a task or a, or a call back for the, the customer, for the manager. And so there's a, there's actually a lot of processes kind of that we're redeveloping, right? Or not redeveloping, but developing and going to be rolling out this year. This is probably actually a, a huge, huge year for us. We have obviously brought on a bunch of executive leaders into our organization too. So they're really working on that. But I mean, those are all things that are happening now, but come March 1st, March 15th, it's all execution, right? It's yep. like when, when, when is your cutoff date? I know everyone's got their, and if you don't, you should, but when is your cutoff date to where, okay, at this certain point, there's no more, no new yep. software, there's no new products, there's no new chemicals, no equipment, nothing new that we're moving or doing moving forward. It's all execution. Yeah. And I think it's different depending on the market, but for us, it's, it's April through September. We yep. don't really work on our website. We don't change a lot of systems. We don't, you know, we're not going through these longer term processes. We're going to put out a fire if one comes up, right? Yep. But there's certain things like we're not shopping any vendors Yep. in that six month period. Not none at all. I don't care if they come and slap me in the face. I'll just, you know, write it down and remember that they did that and then call them on October 1st. Yep. So, so if any vendors are listening, do not call Alan and I after, <laughs> after April 1st. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the thing. And I've, I've seriously, I've told vendors that before. I'm like, All Hey, you gotta call, you gotta call me back later. I thought it was somebody else that was calling me or whatever. Like thought I recognized the number. I'm like, yeah, no, this is not the time. You know what is a, is a shame though, a little bit, and this is going to bother some of our listeners. Some of you are using this time to kind of put your feet up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you think so, Saul? You think there's guys listening right now that are like, hey, man, it's November. I'm going to eat a ton of turkey and I'm not going in the office for like three weeks. Yeah, dude, I I did it one year and it, I mean, it bit me in the butt. I mean, we were still working, but we definitely, it's like, okay, like let's take a little breather. It was a crazy summer. We're all exhausted and... Dude, it, I mean, I think we gave our whole, you know, company like 12 days off over the holidays and Christmas. Like, go, and it's just like everyone came Love back it. and I, they were just sluggish. I think they yeah. forgot everything. Right. Yeah. And it was, and, it was just horrible. I mean, there, and there is kind of this door to door mentality to that because those guys just, it's so much work. It's this mental and this emotional grind where it's like, yep. Like, hey, I'm not going to watch what I eat. I'm not going to really worry about anything else. I'm not going to really pay attention to sports. I'm not going to worry if I'm dating. Like, what's going on with that? Right? I am 100% in. And and so it's trickled down. That and the weather, right? The, the calls are com- they're, they're fewer and far between right now. And so people are like, hey, like, that's cool. But if if they were deliberate about 
those longer term projects that are going to actually make the difference. If, if someone calls you and you close them, that's excellent. You're going to add your top line revenue. But here's a secret. It's not going to change your company. It's nope. not going to move the needle that much, especially if you, you have a long-term perspective and it's five to 10 years down the road that you're looking. Now, as opposed to like, you know, taking that call and closing on a, closing a customer, if you're working on your systems, you're working on your hiring processes, your training, your any type of phone script, if you're working on your relationship with your vendors right now, those are the things that will move the needle. Yeah. And it's like, if you don't know what that is, like, what is, what is it that I need to work on right now? What should I be doing better? Right. Mm -hmm. There's in September, I, we do it every year, right? I do, we, we do an employee, we do employee surveys and we do customer surveys and we're asking for what should Arusa start doing? What should Arusa stop doing? And Mm. what should Arusa keep doing? And yep. then we t- and then we take that information and we compile it from a branch level. We do a SWOT analysis. What mm. are our strengths? What are our weaknesses? What are our opportunities? And what are our, our threats, right? And then we really take that up to an executive level and we're kind of looking for also the trends. What are the trends within the industry that we should be identifying? And then we take that information and then that's how we start executing. Okay, what's the game plan? What do we start? What do we need to execute on now this year? Let's not try to take off more than we can chew, you know, bite off more than we can chew. Yep. But what are, what are two or three things on this list that we can work on where we can improve to be better than what we were last year? Yeah, hundred percent. I, dude, I love that idea of asking your customers and your employees. One of my favorite questions before we move on to episode nine with Phil Cooper. One of my favorite questions is asking my employees this time of year, hey, what frustrates you in June, July, August? And it just, because we have this culture of feedback and it's, and people know their jobs are safe, they'll just, they'll let me have it. Hey, I get so sick of working these long hours and not having a gap in phone calls, right? It's literally phone call to phone call to phone call for eight hours. So it's like, okay, let's let's do mandatory 15-minute breaks where you step away from your desk or whatever, right? You can address those things. And so this is a great time of year to ask your employees that question, ask your team that question, what is frustrating? Because that will jog a few thoughts and get them I, going on that. And I think what, what you, what you kind of hit on there that's super important when asking these questions, right? is to have that culture of honest feedback, right? And I feel like there's a lot of organizations where there isn't that honest feedback, right? The employees are either too scared to to be honest with you because they're afraid that you're going to retaliate or or they're going to lose their job. And and if that's the culture that you have, you can never expect those frontline people to really give you the feedback that you need to be one of the best, right? So – Yep. And I feel like we get that as leaders by being open and honest and vulnerable exactly. ourselves, right? Yep. And 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 there's this intricate link between people being providing feedback and feeling that their job is secure and allowing them to make make mistakes. It seems like those yep. two things are separate, but they're not. Because what happens in their mind is they think, "Hey, if I provide this feedback, maybe, you know, the boss isn't going to agree with me." 
and he's going to treat it like it's a bad idea, AKA a mistake. It would be a bad move. And then I'm going to be treated the same as if I had made a mistake. But if you allow people to learn and grow and you invest in them and you tell them, Hey, you made a, you, you screwed up. Guess what? I do every day. I screw up every day and I'm still here. You're not going anywhere. That kind of facilitates that culture of feedback. I love that. Love that. So episode nine, Phil Cooper, we talked about EOS. This is your thing, man. This is your thing. Oh. Phil Phil's a stud. Dude, I'm a, I'm I'm obsessed with the EOS thing. I think it's I mean, I just think the any business operating system, because I've I've studied really all all of them that are that are out there that are good right now, right? The scaling up or the gazelle Rockefeller habits, whatever you want to call it, the EOS. I've studied the Sandler training systems, the leadership of excellence. And the EOS one I just love because it's so simple, which we all know that in business, simple is better, right? And and I'm actually actually reading Good to Great uh, for uh, another time right now. I literally just read the Hedgehog concept chapter this morning. Yeah. How was my memory, dude? I haven't read it it for five years, I don't think, but- it was great. Yeah. I mean, it, it, the whole hedgehog concept is just about finding that, that one thing that you can become the best at, right? Yeah. And, and making it just as simple as possible. And I think about that so much. And, and there's even been times in with Arusa where I've had to, to try to get more simple too, right? Like a perfect example is we were trying to be, you know, super conscious and we had the organic, you know, uh, natural essential oil services that we were doing, you yeah, know, we're using the century, the, uh, the, 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 yeah, exactly. And it was just like, you know, we, we had maybe, you know, a, a little bit, you know, a few customers on it, whatever, maybe a 50 or a hundred between all of our customers and, you know, enough to where it's great to provide it. And, and people loved hearing about it, but most people never really went with it. Right. Cause then, mm-hmm. you know, normal, you know, products we're using are, are, are very safe and, and eco-friendly as it is. But the fact is that you'd have to carry them on all the vehicles. You'd have to have other equipment to, or you'd have to schedule it appropriately. So you were trying to hit all of those in, in the same day with the same technician with equipment. It was just like, dude, why are, why are we even doing this? And then we're finding that we're not even doing the service as good as our other yeah. services because it's something different. And it's like, we had to then go through and eliminate that whole entire service line and that whole entire service. And then also call those customers and try to switch them to our regular regular package or or fire them, you know, because it just wasn't wasn't worth it. We weren't great at it. We weren't the best. You know, what we do very, very well is residential pest control and have a great sales and service excellence. And and that's what Mm -hmm. we we have to focus on. So I see it too often, especially when people are just starting out. And I know we talk about this all the time. It's like, you're trying to just get whatever revenue you can coming into the business. And it's like, you got all these guys maybe taking on commercial stuff and they know nothing about commercial, which, you know, I I understand you got to make the money, you got to keep the lights on, right? And you you got to bring that revenue and pay your bills, pay your employees. But when you, if you can, and when you get to a point, you really got to simplify it and, and stick to a core focus. That's the thing is that we're always looking for a shiny object, right? It's always like the next best thing. We hear some company like, hey, oh, you made really good money in wildlife control. Oh man, maybe I should add a wildlife division. And like, and, and I think subconsciously, we think it's going to be better. We think it's going to be easier. We think it's going to be more lucrative. 
And it ends up being none of those things. No, not at all. <laughs> I mean, when I think about wildlife, I just like, I can't even fathom having one of those like euthanization chambers in, not, the, in my yeah. office. Like, what? No, like I could Ooh, never, man. like you're, you're not bringing a squirrel to my office and throwing him in a chamber. Then toss you know, him to, in the freezer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like what? I can't have it. Yeah. You know, I love, I love animals too much. <laughs> yeah. Well, what, give us a, give us a background on you know like a ten thousand foot view what is eos what does phil kind of talk about in this episode and who's it for yeah i mean i think you know eos is it's an operating system a way to sort of manage and and, and run your mm. business with a great strategy right it's going to focus on on these main points right what's your core values you know mm -hmm. what is your core focus what's your 10-year target right and and I feel like a lot of times with the 10 year target, people are too, think too granular with the 10 year target, right? With, with 10 years, it's, it's literally impossible to really imagine what anything is going to be like in 10 years, right? Like, yeah. Alan, we both go back, right? 10 years from ago, would you ever imagine that you'd be exactly where you're at now with proof and, and the revenues and Dude, all the business? 10 years ago, I didn't even think I would be in pest control, man. Yeah, I was practicing exactly. law. Exactly, right? And so, <laughs> And so with your 10-year target, what too many people do is they think too granular and they don't set this big, crazy, lofty goal, right? Like your 10-year target should just be something so crazy off the wall that it's like you have no freaking clue how you're ever going to get there. And there's that funny, you know, funny story about Gino Wickman, the guy who, who started EOS when he was with his partner and they set their 10-year target when they were just starting EOS and his partner said, well, you know, Gino, how how are we going to do this? It's This is insane. He's like, dude, duh, we're going to do it the same way we tell all of our people to do it, just 90 days at a time. And so, with, yeah. with those questions, your 10-year target, you develop your marketing strategy, your three-year picture, your one-year plan, and then you set your quarterly rocks. And what you do is you focus on your quarterly rocks and your issues. And, and that's what you're meeting. And, you, and then you have a certain meeting pulse. So, you have a weekly level 10 meeting with your executive team, where you're going over a scorecard of, of certain actionable data, and then you're you're solving your issues. You're making sure you're relaying any cascading messages to the team, so everyone's and everyone leaves that room on the exact same page. And when everybody is rowing the boat in the same direction within your organization, crazy amazing things happen. And that really is to the gist of it: what EOS is and what it does. Now they have tools within that program right that that really helps kick a lot of these things off and 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 make it easier for people to understand like developing your core processes or making sure you have the right people in the right seats like that's obviously a big thing that's i mean good to grade and is a big proponent that helped develop oh, yeah. eos you know and so when you read it and you read and you think about eos a lot of those things are very similar right with the thing I love about Jim Collins and Good to Great is it talks about the most important thing to do first and before anything. And I think our last episode that we just recorded yesterday, Courtney talked about this too, is you've got to get the right person on the bus. It doesn't matter what you're going to do or how you're going to do it. Just get the right person on the bus and then figure out what you're going to do, right? I think that's huge because the people are what drive everything, right? And it's like if you have the right people, you're going to be able to do crazy and things. Dude, and it's things. so hard. Like, especially with technicians, especially with companies that are scaling really quickly that have sales teams, because they don't understand that sometimes, you know, door to door guys, sometimes they don't understand like, Hey, 
I don't have a spot for you tomorrow or the day after because I had to let a technician go because it wasn't the right person for he wasn't the right person for our company. And so but it doesn't matter. The door to door guy is not the person that makes the decision that has to live with the results. But dude, it's hard, man. It, yeah. Am I right, Saul? It's hard because it is so important. You and I know how important it is. We talked about it yesterday in an episode that's going to drop that dropped before these episodes. And we still have to do it. We still, if, if, we ha- if we're two weeks behind on services and a tech does something they're not supposed to do, pisses off a customer, or you, you get to the point where you realize that that is the wrong person, you have to fire them immediately. Yeah. And then, and then the, the thing is you, you may just have to get out there and execute, right? Like me and my fiance, we were just talking the other day cause you know, we have our house cleaners, right? And it's, it's, it's impossible to try to clean a house. I could only imagine with kids, right? But it's like, and the cleaner will call out. And so the owner of the company will call and be like, Oh, we, we have to cancel. They they won't even reschedule. They're like, oh, we have to cancel. She so and so called out. I'm like, it's like I was relying on this. Like my I'm life like, is like, you know, I yeah. have and stuff like, that I have to do. I was depending on this. And I'm like, we're going to the holidays. Like, I need this house yeah. clean, right? But it's like I'm like, get in the freaking van and get over here and clean my dang house. Like, yeah. I don't care how you do, dude. It. And Just that's a great done. way to think about it from our perspective. But the thing is, is that we have to separate ourselves from the emotion of, okay, well, I'm getting yelled at by the sales team because they don't have spots for the next day or two and think, okay, where is this person five years down the road if they continue with this company? How much damage? And it's, dude, I'm a sucker, man. I have such a hard time firing people. It's one of my biggest struggles. And I don't know how many times I've kicked myself for not doing it immediately, thinking that down the road, it would be easier and it ended up being much harder. Yeah. I don't think it ever gets easier down the road, right? I think I think anytime you are going to avoid putting off the hard conversa- conversations, it always ends up getting worse. And usually what ends up being worse by it is the effect that it has on the culture of the rest of the people within your organization, knowing that you would allow yeah. that person to stay on the team purely because you need the body, right? Yep. And so that's the thing I love about the EOS is it it's you have to hire, fire, make all decisions. Everything should run through your core values and if it doesn't fit, it goes, right? Yep. And and when you make that known and when when and when it's when it's well known throughout the end of your organization that everything will run through this analyzer, yep. people, ideas, products, services, whatever, does it fit our core values? Does it fit our core focus? And if it doesn't, it's got to go. Got to go. Then, Love pe- it. then people know. And, and if they and if they don't, if they're not the person that fits those core values, they're probably not going to want to stay around anyway. They're not going to be happy there anyway. No, they're not. not exactly. And so that's, that's one of the things I just think is, is the biggest thing about it. The other huge thing is just having those consistent meetings where everyone's on the same page yep. and they leave the room rowing the same direction. And then you don't have to be bogged down with micromanaging and, and all those yep. things. And because everyone has their, their account of things they're accountable for and, and they go execute. And if they're not executing, you're going to know. One of the things that's really is, is just not so much blown my mind, but it's it having, such a hard time wrapping our our minds around this piece within EOS 
And you know, a lot of the executive leaders I have on my team now too. I mean, you know, we are, my, our team has been in this industry for a while, right? So it's like, we, we know a lot about the pest control, a lot about KPIs and metrics, right? But there's this weekly scorecard, right? And this weekly scorecard has to be uh, filled out with like either with five to 15 action, measurable actions that would, that if being executed on a weekly basis would almost guarantee you if you do your predictions right, like if you set your goals properly, that your outcomes will be hit. Whether your outcomes are revenue growth, profitability, sales, conversions, whatever the, your outcomes are, right? Right. But you have to try to determine what these measurable actions are. And I can tell you right now, I'm, I'll be honest, we have had the hardest time determining what these actionable measurables are, right? So an example, right? Let's say your 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 outcome is a certain gross profit margin, right? Say you want to achieve a, a 70% gross profit. What do you think some some weekly outcome uh, actions you could measure to help if if these measurables were being hit on a weekly basis would help lead to this gross profit margin. So I would f- first thing I would measure is what my route scores are. So how far my techs are driving because it brings auto fuel and the technician time. And it's something that's very easy to measure. Another thing that I would want to know is what's the productivity rate? Like what's, what's the ratio of scheduled jobs to those being completed, my completion rate, things like that. Yeah. Now, now let's think about those two things, right? So let's think about your driving score. Is your drive score an action? Or is your drive score an outcome? Yeah, it's a, it's a result, right? It's an outcome of something else. Right? You see what I'm saying? Like it's yeah, that's so true, hard to man. try to think that's of actions, question. right? So like some of the things that I'm looking at so far, and, and, and I don't even know if I fully have it yet, but some things would be your, your behaviors that are being measured from your GPS devices, right? Because if, you're, if you have an increase in handheld device while driving or mm-hmm. failing to stop or speeding, those could potent those are gonna are leading are actions that will lead or could lead to an accident or something like For that sure. that could increase your your auto insurance rates, right? Like though you know, your service maintenances are my service maintenances being done on time on my vehicles, right? Those things, you know, if you're not doing a service on time or you're not even doing them at all and then you it leads to more mechanical issues or more tired tread wear outs and stuff like that. Those eat away at those gross profit For margins. Sure. But so it, it's just super try, hard to try to think of like actual yeah. actions, right? So yeah, it's, that's it's, crazy. It's, it's interesting. And so, but it's those true, are the though, things man. that you should be measuring. They say on a weekly basis because you know, and if your predictions are right, it, and then if these things aren't on track. And what it does is in EOS, it would get dropped down to your issues list. Yep. And then you would be able to analyze and, you know, they call it IDS, which is inspect, discuss, and solve or something like that. Or identify, discuss, and solve. Like, okay, what's the real issue that's leading to this, right? And so it could be a million things, right? But and if you can't IDS the issue properly, then you're, you don't have the right measurable. And so it, it's we, we've been having a, a real issue with this, and and I don't know if other companies who have done US have been having as much issues as we have, but that's the one thing that it's like it's really kind of blown my mind how the, a lot of the the KPIs and the measurables 
that we look at from pest control are really just outcomes and yeah. and it's we're not really measuring the act- the activities that are leading to those outcomes and so all we're really doing is just hoping at the end of the month or at the end of a quarter the numbers are there yeah and, right no that's a i mean that's a great point and as a recap that was episode 9 with Phil Cooper if you guys want to learn more about EOS, go ahead and check that episode out. We're, this is part two of two of recaps that we just did, episodes six, seven, eight, nine. Make sure that you're, you know, you're listening to all these episodes because it kind of makes sense if you follow them in order. But you know, we're we're Saul and I are we're stoked about this podcast. We feel like we're just getting started with this. Make sure you subscribe because we have some amazing episodes coming up and yeah, we're, we're just getting rolling. So make sure, make sure to leave us a review while you're at it and we will catch you next time. See ya. Thank you so much for listening to the bug bucks podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please show your support by subscribing and leaving us an honest five-star rating and review on Apple podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you, and we'll catch you on the next episode.